fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Los 102.3 FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the House of Mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Dime Store Dave. Ah, it's Dime Store Dave. Okay. It's Dime Store. I was thinking because, you know, I'm working on these fictions way back in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Oh, yes. yes. The five and dime novels. Yeah, it wasn't a dollar store. It was yeah. five and dime store where we pick up yeah. all of your books that you wrote. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> they wouldn't be at a real store. I mean, no. No. Anyway. Come on. And oh, so Suzanne Summers died. Oh, I heard that. Wow. Well, I, I'm yeah. surprised. I mean, she would have been 77 today. Yeah, it's, it's sad. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. I didn't even know she was sick. Yeah, um, I didn't either. I think she was Canadian as well, wasn't she? Um, I think you're right. Because she was married to Alan Hamill, you see. And me being okay. a Canadian, back in the <laughs> 80s living in Canada, we had the Alan Hamill show. Oh. It's just like Alan Thick show. Okay. Thick of the night. Yeah. Well, they... they <laughs> You know, like like me, they came into the States and become big celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> and then they run back that's and right. hide because it's safer in Canada. <laughs> and so that's, that's they're just like me. Yeah. Um, well, they won't but, let you back into the States, Al. They won't let me anywhere. No. I'm on the border. I sit at the border. <laughs> Both countries like, we've had enough of you. I'm tunneling under the border to get you in. Yeah, no, that's all right. I don't mind sitting at the border. No taxes on the border. Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, anyway, enough of that. Small talk. Okay, right. so what have we got today? We've got a an author, Noir Crime, and the book is called Chasing Money, a Marty and Bo thriller. So, Michael Balter, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Al. Thank you for having me. Well, hopefully you're happy at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you were you were just you were just talking about Al Hamill. When I um, I was born in uh, in Berlin, and and when we uh, immigrated, we couldn't immigrate to the U.S. We had to immigrate to Canada first before we immigrated to the U.S. And um, and I was a little German boy, and uh, we immigrated to Ottawa. And Al Hamill had a this is really early in his career because I'm really old. And he had a TV show in the afternoon at around four or five o'clock with a little hand puppet. And no kidding. And I learned English from uh, listening to Wow. So we have something else to blame him for. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and I like this. So, so they, they, they make you go to Canada first. It's like the U.S. light. You go to yeah. Canada. Right. It's, it's U.S. light. Yes. Yes. That's interesting. So now you you've had quite the life, but why did you decide to write a book? Like what was the what was the thing that happened that you kind of thought I really want to write this? Um, well, that's a really good question. I I've always wanted to write. I always liked it. In fact, I before I became an engineer, I, I my very first uh, when I first went to school, I, I, I started out as a journalist major um, just 
realized that I couldn't make any money that way. So I, I ended up going into engineering and doing a whole bunch of things in, in technology. But the genesis of the story, or the genesis of chasing money, um, actually uh, came from a joke. My friend and I, uh, my business partner and I, we were in New York and we were looking to raise capital for a startup that we had. I, basically, I was a serial entrepreneur for many years. And we were... It was very frustrating. We spent the entire day talking to money people and um, not getting, not making a lot of progress. And we were walking back to our hotel, and um, and it was getting dark, and the sun was going down. And my my friend um, Roy Rose said, um, "Let's let's pick up the pace a little. I don't like walking the streets of New York at night when I don't know where I'm, you know, where I'm heading." And I was a little frustrated, and I said, "You know what, Roy?" I said. Right now, if some guy decides to rob me and stick a gun in my face, I'd probably ask him to invest in the company before he pulled the trigger. And he laughed. And uh, when we got back to the um, hotel, we sat in the lobby bar drinking scotch. And he said, you know, that would make a really interesting story. And so we spent an hour drinking scotch and getting wasted and, uh, and coming up with different plot ideas. And I never let it go. This happened maybe 10, 12 years ago. And I just never let it go. And whenever I had a quiet moment in the car or taking a shower or whatever, I'd, I'd like to think a little bit more about it. And pretty soon, or not pretty soon, actually, over a course of a number of years, I had a I had a full-fledged plot in my head. So you developed the plot before you really developed your main characters? Um, I always knew that the, the main characters would probably be modeled uh, after uh, folks that I knew or that I'd heard about or that, you know, somebody very wise once told me a long time ago, you know, if, if, if you're new to writing, write what you know, um, because you'll be more successful with it. And, um, and so that's what happened. I, I, I had this idea. Uh, it was based on a lot of things that happened actually to me, um, during the course of, of my entrepreneurial days. And so, or it happened to people that I knew. And um, and then I just kind of branched out from there. So you developed the plot before you really developed your main characters. Yeah, exactly that. I uh, the, So the, the, it's, it's called a, a Marty and, and, and Bo thriller. So um, Bo is um, modeled after my best friend and business partner for about 20, 25 years, uh, a guy by the name of Roy Rose. And everything I wrote uh, in the book about Bo Bishop, who is the character in, in the book, um, is kind of taken from, much of it is taken from my friend's life. You know, he was a racing car driver. He was very successful at one point. He had um, kind of um, a career with a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and, and he's doing really well now. And, and uh, so I just borrowed a lot of stories from, from that. And and Marty, is that you? Yes, uh, yes, I'll say yes. Yeah, it's it's the it's not a hundred percent. I mean, I obviously I didn't have all those things happen, uh, and uh, uh, but yes, the the character is based loosely on me. Yes. So, have you got any friends that you uh, killed in your book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, uh, actually, uh, I do. I do. oh good name. Do you have the name and phone number? We can yeah, get right. on the line. <laughs> right. I, uh, I actually, I actually gave it. There was a, there was a character in the book, um, and he dies very early on. Uh, the entire book basically unpacks 
why he died. And so his name is Nico, and he's based loosely on a, a person that I knew. Uh, in fact, a person who at one time was actually legitimately kidnapped by a Russian mobster and almost died. Um, much of my story or some of my story has that. But he dies very early because in my book, I actually kill him, um, or at least the, the Russian mobster kills him. And so, and I, I, I gave it to him. Um, I gave him the draft and I said, read it because I don't, don't want you to be angry with me. Um, afterwards. So uh, what's the premise of the story? So for listeners now, they, they don't know. What, what is the premise? The premise is it's, it's basically two partners, Marty and Bo, and they're uh, entrepreneurs, uh, business partners, and they uh, are looking to raise capital for their, their startup. They're basically chasing money, hence the title of the book. And they aren't succeeding. And they, um, they take on a third partner who they probably should know a little bit more about. His name is Nico. And he gives them a, a kind of a, an interesting idea of how to raise capital uh, and minimize the risk to the investor. And it's a, they think it's a really cool idea. They bring them on board. They go to an investor pitch meeting. And at the investor pitch meeting, it turns out that they're, there's not an investor there, but rather a very angry Russian mobster who demands $10 million from them, um, accusing them of stealing it, actually, and um, and a painting. He wants his painting back. And they don't know what he's talking about. And in the course of this interrogation, um, the mobster, to make his point, um, kills Nico, shoots him in the head. And then looks at Marty and Bo and says, you have four days to get me $10 million that you owe me and my painting. And all of that happens in the first 20 pages of the book. And so the book is really how Marty and Bo unpack the next four days. Well, I want to go back to you, uh, Ken Huff, your friend, who became, who became Nico in the book. I'm, I'm just wondering, how did he react to you killing him <laughs> off? Oh, poor guy. <laughs> so my friend um, has, um, interestingly enough, he has he has kind of a really severe case of, of ADD. He doesn't read. And when I I, I gave it to him and I I let him um, uh, I left him alone for I don't know two or three months and and then I went back and I talked to him and I said, did you read the draft? Did you read the manuscript? And he said, yeah, I got through the first twenty twenty five pages. I said, okay, so you saw that you died. But yeah, I saw that. And then I said, what do you think of the rest of the book? And he laughed and he said, oh, I'm sure I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I just kind of went, okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, better what he doesn't know, probably. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like a dream. It's fairly fast-paced action, it sounds like, definitely in the first 20 pages. How did you write that? Like, how how did you learn to do that or how did you – pace it so that it because it must go it must be a lot of action in there well uh yeah good question um so let me let me back that up a little bit and 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 tell it this way i started i had this plot i i, I really wanted to tell it a certain way and i went at it a couple of different times and always tore it up uh it just wasn't it wasn't coming out and i did it in various different ways you know i did it uh, in in um kind of third party past tense and and various different ways of of um of uh writing it and 
it just it just it wasn't working. And so I was walking with my wife, and I was telling her, because she asked me, she said, how are you doing with the book? And uh, I said, oh, it's not working out. I, it sounds really simple and sophomoric, and just, I don't know, it's just not working. And she said, you know, I think you're going about it all wrong. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, Michael, she said, I've known you for 30-plus years. You are a good storyteller. You tell stories all the time. Why don't you just tell it that way? Just pretend that you run into a friend at a bar and you're sitting across from them and you're saying, oh, my God, you should hear what happened to me. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. And I started doing that, and it worked. And so the entire book is narrated by Marty. And, of course, there's some, there's some, some issues with that, right? When you write it in first-person narrative, you, that means that the narrator, everything, he's the funnel. Okay? And so everything has to go through his eyes and his ears. And that can create a little bit of a problem in that you have to develop the plot in such a way that all information comes through the narrator at some point. And, and so it was very easy to write the first chapter in that respect, because they, it starts out, as I said, they're on their way to an investor pitch meeting. And actually, it starts out almost immediately within, I think, uh, the first uh, page. Um, they find themselves uh, tied to, you know, cheap chrome kitchen chairs in this hunting cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere. And then I just kind of backtrack and explain how we got there. And, um, and then there's this, this, uh, this this kind of sinister looking Russian who's screaming and yelling and we don't we by we I mean Marty and Bo don't even really understand what the hell's going on so it's it's uh, it's relatively easy to write that because I just kind of envisioned it in my head and uh, well, you probably had those chairs and you probably asked your wife to tie you up in them <laughs> <laughs> so you gain the experience right yeah so here's a funny story so my daughter uh, my daughter uh, said to uh, my wife um, after she finished reading it she's and, and a lot of her all of her friends are obviously much younger and and um, um, and she said you know she said dad called them cheap chrome kitchen chairs there's nothing cheap about Chrome. It's very in today. It's very in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've aged myself. You know? Yeah, times change, but they come around again, you know. They do. It they do. never never ends. You're thinking about the violence you write on the page when you write it, like the action scenes or the killing or any murder or, you know, that sort of aspect of it? I um, I, I do, uh, or I, I did, and it's um, – uh, and I'm doing it again now because I'm writing the sequel. But yes, it's um, you ha- well, you have to because because I think a good part of writing is getting the details. And I've had to, you know, I thought about exactly how I would uh, try to kill. There are there are multiple people that die in, in the book, and um, and I thought about all of that and how I wanted to make that happen and then um i then also had to kind of create the motivations behind it and um and kind of the the yeah the psychopathy yeah right exactly did you enjoy writing a bad evil person um i did actually my favorite uh, my, uh, my my favorite part was writing a person that I uh, did not base anybody on. Uh, was uh, complete uh, from completely from scratch. That's the evil mobster, the guy who basically has um, impulse control problems and um, and has um, you know is kind of 
manic and has a bipolar disorder and he's, he's just nuts. And, um, and so he, uh, does things that are kind of very spontaneous, but very violent. As the, the book unfolds, there's an awful lot of interaction between the, the two main characters, Marty and Bo, and of course this, this evil character. Um, and whereas I based an awful lot of other characters in the book on people that I've either known or, or knew of, the, the character, the, the, the Russian, I made up from scratch. And, and I think he's, I, I very much enjoyed writing his, his scenes. When you wrote him, how do you hear him or do you have a dialogue? Is it like a, what kind of relationship do you think you have with that character? Um, I, I had a, you're right. I had a, I mean, I had his voice in my head and, um, I, he has a verbal tick and I found that that's because when I had him speaking in my head, I gave him a verbal tick and I, I didn't even do that intentionally. It just happened. And I, I, I realized that I was creating a verbal tick in my head. Um, and um, I also, I, I wanted him to, there was a particular reason for this, and I'm not sure if I want to give it away, but there is a particular, he looks very, very young. And there's a reason for it, which comes, uh, becomes evident in the book as the book moves forward. And so one of the things that I pointed out in, in the first 20 pages as he's waving this gun around and, and he's being extremely, um, acting like a maniac, um, is that he's, it's very disturbing to watch him because he looks like a teenager. He is not, but he looks, he has this kind of glandular issue where he looks extremely young for his age. He's not, you know, a tick, he's not particularly old, but he's in his, in his thirties and, but he looks like he's, like he just now is learning to drive. And what I did was I went and I actually Googled famous people who look very young for their age. Uh, there was a picture that came up, um, and oh, goodness, I forgot the name of the actor. There's an actor, and he is in his 30s, and he looks like he's a, just an adolescent. And I can't remember the name, actually, to be honest with you. Well, you could have picked me as your example, right? Well, there you go. There you go. I, I, uh, I noticed that. Yes, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> So yeah, so I had him in mind every time I every time I pictured him in my head. In the course of writing these two books, have any of your characters done anything to surprise you? Uh, have they kind of gone off the rails and kind of rebelled against the plot, or have you found that you've been in pretty much in control? I don't want to give it. A, I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to spoil anything. But yes, uh, uh, the the main character, the, the narrator, does something. Uh, the near the end of the book that is uh, completely surprising and I didn't start out with that in mind it just kind of wrote itself and um, it, it I, I actually led myself to that conclusion because there are certain things through one let me back up one of the because I'm I'm not sure being very clear here. One of the things that I wanted to always write was in, is I wanted the characters to be different than the standard cliched characters that are in a lot of thrillers. So if you, if you read a lot of thrillers, and I do, and I'm sure that you guys do as well since you have a podcast, um, the, the uh, typical thrillers are with characters that are either ex-cops, ex-CIA, um, 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 uh, 
uh, old, grizzled, drunken lawyer that had a bad case and he's now trying to find redemption. Uh, you know, that, those kind of folks, right? And there's a reason for that, because especially if you're writing a series, you need to be able to give them a profession that would allow them to always fall into some kind of danger as you're writing additional books. And that wasn't my original intent. I wanted to write a book that was very kind of um, Hitchcockian. And what I mean by that is, you know, Hitchcock was famous for putting the innocent man in dangerous situations, right? A lot of his uh, movies like North by Northwest and things like that. And I wanted to write a book that had two completely innocent guys, just your average business guys are looking to raise money. They barely, they probably have never had, tra- uh, 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 you know, a, a traffic ticket. Um, they have wives, they have children. Um, and what would happen if all of a sudden they find themselves in a situation like that where they're suddenly being hunted by a Russian mobster for something that they didn't do and they really don't even know that much about? What would they do? What would be their, what would be their reactions? And, because they're not trained the way, let's say, an ex-cop or an ex-CIA agent might be. And that that allowed the, the plot to move forward. Because there's, the, for example, there's a there's significant, uh, uh, you know, uh, argument between them. Because one wants to go, as soon as they're let go, one of them wants to, Bo wants to go to the cops. And Marty says, no, we can't go to the cops. I mean, it, these are monsters. They, they'll go after our families. And well, we'll go into protection, uh, protective custody. Or, I mean, the, um, 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 uh, the witness protection program. He says, well, <laughs> How, you know, what does that do to our children, et cetera, et cetera. So there's these, these, these discussions that are based on, again, on what do innocent folks or guys do? And innocent is kind of a weird word in this, but you know what I'm saying. Just people yeah, who are not, yeah. yeah, who are not used to this kind of dangerous environment. I mean, so such as yourself. I mean, if you're <laughs> one of the characters, you haven't done any of these things. Correct. Correct. As I said, although I did have my my friend actually was uh, uh, was um, actually kidnapped by a Russian mobster. I got I, one of the, the the whole initial scene was um, based on on the stories that he told me. You know, when you when you hear these voices and stuff like that, does your wife know that you're hearing these voices? She does. She does. My wife is my <laughs> my, my wife is my greatest critic. I I um. Um, she's, she's, she's absolutely amazing because for about two years, um, I don't think a, a day or certainly two days went by without her hearing. I'm a whiner and, and with her listening to me constantly, oh, no, I, I spent all day. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> I have no idea why she's still married to me. I, I swear to God, I don't. <laughs> the insurance money. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, she's probably got her back, watching her back. You know, if you're hearing voices, you know, she's going to wake up and you're going to be wearing gloves one day and have a shovel in your hand. Or there something. you go. There you go. I, I'd be careful. <laughs> So what are you going to do with these characters? Like, um, because you said you're working on a second book now. So when writing a second book, you kind of have to move the characters somewhere further. Like you have to change them or develop them somewhere. Something has to change. 
Have you thought about what you're going to do with the characters yet? Or Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very much so. Um, I have uh, – so originally, as I said, I had I, – I just wanted to write the book. I did not have a sequel uh, in mind at that time. I uh, was smart enough to give a twist at the end of Chasing Money so that it's very easy to write a sequel. So I won't give away the twist, but it, it it's it's a it's an open door to uh, again more more dangerous uh, uh, scenarios. As I said, one of the challenges you have, and one of the reasons why a lot of writers of thrillers uh, pick, especially sequel thrillers, they pick somebody that's always living in some kind of a dangerous situation, right? And what do you do with 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 standard average business guys? I mean, how many times can you throw a business guy into, you know, one chaotic situation after another? After a while, it kind of, you know, the, the reader starts to roll their eyes and say, yeah, I don't believe that. And yeah. so um, I was fortunate in, in again, in my plotting because I wanted a twist. I wanted a twist. And the twist just turned out to be very fortuitous because it feeds into the second book. Oh, good. It sounds like it's all, it's all kind of working for you in your, in your mind and, uh, and, and, uh, what you want to do and stuff. So do you think you're going to keep on going? You think this will turn into be a, like a full series kind of? Yeah. So I, um, um, I've, I've plotted out now, uh, when I, when I brought it to, uh, my publisher, um, he said, um, I hadn't even thought about it. He, he's the one who said, we'll call it a Marty and Bo thriller. And I wasn't really crazy about that initially. I kind of went, oh, it sounds like the Hardy Boys. And, mm-hmm. um, and he said, no, no. He said, listen, he said, this is, this is how you build an audience. And I said, okay. And so from that, I said, well, it looks like I'm going to be writing a sequel. So, um, and then I sat down and started kind of plotting out again. How do I put these characters into dangerous scenarios? Um, for four or five, six books. And I've figured it out. Um, and, um, yeah, so the, the sequel, which I'm writing right now, um, I don't have a title for it yet, but I'm about halfway done. Um, takes the whole thing takes place in Europe, takes place in Rome. You'll have to go to Rome and write it all off. Yeah. I, oh man. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yes. <laughs> I, I, true story. You're, you're not going to believe this, but it's a true story. I, um, in, during my entrepreneurial days, I, um, went to Rome quite frequently because I, um, owned a company was an art company and the company had uh, true story had the licensing rights to the Vatican seal. I actually had the global rights to the Vatican seal and that in itself is quite a story. So, I bet. yeah, the second book is is um, has a lot of that in. How are you keeping continuity uh, now that you're writing a series? Do you, do you have a, any, any type of tools, a process? Did you create a series Bible? <laughs> I don't know what that is. What? what the, well, there you go. What? Well, David, you what know, is a yeah, series? Yeah. I'm sorry. What is it? What? Well, no, writers that write <laughs> series, like there's, you know, like the the big boys and a lot of the ones you talk to, yeah. um, they, as they get into a series, a lot of people wouldn't keep track of things, and so then they have to keep going back and trying to remember what ha- what this person said or did or liked or, 
you know, this isn't just one or two books, but if you start right. getting into eight or nine, it takes a lot of work. So a, a series Bible's kind of a way of, of keeping track of your characters and what happens. So it's almost like you have Marty. Okay, well, Marty has blue eyes, has, you know, his size weight or whatever. He slept with this girl. He did this. He ate this. He, he like, hates this food. Like every time you mention something through a, through books, you keep track of it kind of in this Bible so that when you're on book 10, you know, he's not sitting at a bar drinking whiskey when in book three he hated it, you know, that sort of thing. Well, I can tell you that I just learned something new, Al, and I'm going to start that <laughs> Bible uh, tomorrow morning. I will. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it is a good idea. I don't do it myself, but I know a lot of writers that do and a lot of them that wish they did Yeah. when it was too late. You know, yeah, good point. Like book seven, because all of a sudden the reader writes a review and says, "Well, it was all good except for you know Marty had brown, blue eyes, and now he has green eyes." You know, and something just little subtle things. Yeah. Readers really pick little things out. Yes, good point. You know, and that's all. It's just it, you know. So I guess you don't have one, but now you can start. I, one. I'm going to. <laughs> have one. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, yeah, because, you know, I'll tell you, because you, you when you talked about this before, about what you're thinking of what to do with characters, character is the most important, even more than story, because for building readers over a long period of time, they're going to fall in love with characters, and that's who they want to see ha things happen to. Yes, actually, yeah, actually, I've, the, most of the, the, the criticism uh, that I've received, or the compliments that I've received, and I've gotten, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased. Uh, it's been received very well. I've gotten some very nice reviews. And what a lot of people are saying is that um, they really uh, like the characters and they were able to, that the characters are uniquely different. So when you write, um, so here it is. It's Marty and Bo. The two of them spend almost all of the book together, right? And so it was very important that I was able to differentiate between the two so that a reader could understand, or even in the dialogue, they, you know, I wouldn't always have to say Bo said or Marty said or whatever. I could just by the way they spoke and by the way they acted, the reader uh, knew who I was referring to. And, um, and I was able to do that. And a lot of that, frankly, is because I based them on real characters. And so it wasn't that difficult to do, to be honest. Well, that's good. I mean, because that's what's going to, I mean, that's what, if you think about, you know, like Sherlock Holmes, people still, a 100 years later, follow who Sherlock Holmes is. They, you know, they go to England to try to find his home. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, exactly. So, you you develop these these characters strongly enough, and this this brings another point because as you go as you develop these characters, you're giving some of your own stuff away. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like your own feelings and emotions and things you like and don't like will come out in it. Yes. And so you kind of, you kind of be vulnerable a little bit, and the more vulnerable you are, the more real it sounds. And that's something with today's world of social media and people being able to go on Amazon and review and all that stuff, you have to be, you can't be so sensitive to it. Um, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. In fact, um, uh, one of the, one of the other parts of the, the book is that um, there's Marty also has some marital problems. He, uh, his wife has had enough of kind of his entrepreneurial 
uh, uh, ways and, and, and it's, uh, he's put the, the family in some, you know, serious financial uh, difficulty. Um, and so she's looking to separate. She's looking to see if she can break him out of this, 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 um, this thing that he has, this impulse of, to constantly do this, uh, this money raising and, and, and do the startup because he's, you know, he, he can go and get a job at any major company. Um, and, uh, and, and so, and I point out that he used to be successful before he became an entrepreneur and which by the way is true for me as well. And, um, and so they're, they're having these, there's these dialogue between he and his wife, Abby, um, about, the fact that they um, are, you know, running out of money, uh, you know, and and uh, they're she's worried that they have to move because they haven't made any mortgage payments for quite some time. The bank is going to repossess the house, and that means the kids, and they don't know this, but the kids, you know, she doesn't want to pull the kids out of the school. You get all that stuff, and so so um, so I kind of add that it's it's, it's I'm piling on. Um, uh, uh, so that yeah. it's not just always about the the Russian mobster, et cetera. There's also more interpersonal things. And so when my brother-in-law, uh, we were sitting and, and chatting the other day, and he just finished reading the book, and uh, and he said, uh, uh, Chapter 2, you know, when Marty's talking to Abby? And I said, yeah. I said, awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he knows, my, you know, he knows me and he knows my wife. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just tell him, you see, and then tell him in book two, Marty's going to go out with Bo, and Bo's getting a sex change, <laughs> and it's, it's, we're, we're, we're going all the way here. We're yes. not, you know, yeah. Well, so that's really interesting. That's great. That's great. So now, where do you see yourself going with this now? Well, I'm, uh, so I started this um, in my retirement years. So I, I retired. Um, as I said, I was a serial entrepreneur for many years. Prior to that, I was a technologist, and, and so um, I, Kind of want to spend the next, uh, you know, however many years I've got, uh, call it uh, 15, 20 plus, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, and I'm just going to keep writing. I'm going to do the series. Uh, that'll take me, I'm assuming, about a book a year. So let's say six, seven years. And then um, we'll see how that goes. And then, you know, either start a new series or, or find something. Yeah. Well, you only look like you're 30, right? So... <laughs> You you got a long way to go. You got that glandular thing. In I got the, uh, exactly. <laughs> right. I've got a glandular thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you got a long time. <laughs> yeah. Long time. What, what kind of what do you what do you do as a process? But like, are you, are you able to sit down then and kind of go? Okay, well, Monday to Friday, I'm working ten to four or whatever. Like, set a time aside. There's nobody home. I'm going to sit and do this. Can you just sit down and write, or do you need to be in a certain mood? So. Really good question. So I, um, I do this religiously. I, 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 uh, I wrote the entire book, Chasing Money, in, um, in two coffee shops. One was in Charlevoix, Michigan, uh, called Harwood. And the other one was, uh, Jola, which is a coffee shop in, um, in Portland. And I'm, because I had a full career, I, need to get up in the morning and go somewhere. If I don't, if I sit around the house, I will be a vegetable. I, I, I retired once. I retired from Intel when I was 47 years old and I spent about a year never getting out of my bathrobe. And I realized that I'm one of those folks that could easily turn into a vegetable because I'm a lazy slug. Uh, 
okay. while I'm also a workaholic, it, oddly enough, I need to always have something going, you know, I need, I, ha- I love working, but if I'm staying at home, I tend to just veg. So I need to get up and I need to go out. And that's what I do. And I do this every day, including Saturdays and Sundays. And I go to my uh, coffee shop and they know me by, <laughs> they obviously know me really well because I'm there every day. I call it my office. And I, uh, I get my coffee and, uh, and then I sit and yes, I, I either do research. Um, a lot of my, a lot of the, the, both chasing money and the book I'm writing right now requires a significant amount of research. And, um, and then I, I just write. And sometimes I manage to get, you know, I manage to punch out two or three pages. And, uh, sometimes I only manage to get out a paragraph and that's when I go home and whine to my wife. Yeah. And that's when she's got to go. She's got something to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, he's whining again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's that's good. I mean, it's funny. I mean, I did, we just got to stay away from coffee shops in your area because you're probably eavesdropping and listening to people and <laughs> taking taking things from. Uh, well, from actually, it, it, you, you make friends, right? So what happens is there are other folks who also come to the coffee shop, and so uh, it's um, it's one of the challenges. In fact. There's this one uh, uh, guy that I've gotten to know and become friends with. He's just a really, really wonderful guy. There's actually several of them. Uh, but there's one guy in particular. His name is Larry, and he's a, he's a retired dentist. And um, and he's very engaging, right? So, you know, he'll sit down, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm sharing the table with him. And the next hour, I'm just chatting up, uh, you know, with Larry the dentist. And, and we're talking everything from politics to family crisis, you know. And, and it's like, oh, man, I need to get some work done. So Yeah. Well, I mean, but it all adds. It all adds to the... So when you sit down and write, it adds to your book, right? And and you must have noticed, but uh, going through the process of the first book, and now that it's out and it's it's all published and done, and you're sitting down working on the other one, but when you look back at it before you wrote the book compared to now, it must have changed you quite a bit. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's so much changed me as I can honestly say that. Um, I love it, and I uh, I suspect that had I done something like this earlier on, instead of going the path that I went, because remember, I, I wanted to be a writer even when I was young, and I got sidetracked because I, as I said, I went into engineering, and then I went on, and I, and I started working with a company that was very small, was Intel, was only a few hundred employees. And, um, you know, I kind of rode that way for a good 20 years. So I t- got totally sidetracked. Um, but I love what I'm doing now to the point if I had gone down that path, I, I clearly would have been, that would have been my career. So either that or bartending. I, I bartend, I'm a, I'm a volunteer bartender at the, at the uh, local yacht club here. And, um, and I don't know how to sail. So I, I said, okay, well then I'll bartend. And I love bartending so much that I, as I told my wife, I said, thank God I never became a bartender when I was really <laughs> young because I wouldn't have had a career. I, that's yeah. what I would have done. <laughs> well, what have you taken from, from being a serial entrepreneur, you know, that, that's helped you with, you know, not only just writing a novel, but with, with the business of marketing novels? Well, good question. I get a, I get a chance to plug my wife. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, 
when I, as I said, I was a serial entrepreneur. I, I, oh, I want to say that I uh, either was involved with and or have started at least oh, half a dozen companies and probably even more in terms of just being involved in terms of helping raise money or this, that, or whatever. And, um, but I was never involved in the marketing side of it. I was always involved in the sales side of it or in the raising of capital or what have you. But my wife, who also, I met her at Intel when we were both uh, much younger, and um, she is and was a marketing expert. She just is a marketing genius. Yes, so she is just incredibly good at marketing. And so um, she decided to take on that task. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's why you've got her on. <laughs> that's why when you started, you said, I'm, I, I'm, I've got it. I've got it. Says here, Susie Walter. So yeah, that's my wife. And she does all of the marketing. And um, as she said to me, she said, uh, she said, hon, do me a favor. She said, you do the writing and let the experts do everything else. And I said, that's <laughs> smart. That's really smart. So she does all the market, and she's really good at it. That's a good thing. It's a good thing, right? Uh, uh, because you can focus more on the writing. Marketing's hard. It's a totally different, uh, different way of doing something from writing, you know. No. So it's uh, it's hard for a lot of writers to try and do marketing and and all that stuff as well, because you have to be a different type of person. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm a, I don't think I'd be a, a very good marketing person, anyways. I don't, for whatever reason, my brain doesn't work that way. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm very good at sales. I, uh, one of my, uh, one of my, uh, in my former life, before I even became an entrepreneur, when I worked for Intel, my gig at Intel for many years was introducing new technology. So a lot of technology that, for example, that you're very used to today, uh, were uh, technology like voice recognition. And that was actually, that actually came out of Intel Labs back in the 1980s. Um, and I'm the guy that introduced it to, uh, to, to the world. I was, I, I sold it before anyone else did. And uh, I sold it to the automotive uh, industry, actually. And then another, I, I also introduced video conferencing, uh, which is what we're doing right now. So, um, that also came out of Intel Labs back in the 1990s. And I yeah, was last century. Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. Yeah. Well. Now, speaking of marketing, how do you like readers or people to interact with you? Then, so you've got social media, you've got website. What, where do people find you at besides the coffee shop? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, um, uh, the best place to uh, find me is, is, um, I have a website. It's, uh, mbalter.com. So you can find out everything about the book and this, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the book that I'm writing right now, the sequel, et cetera. It's all on my website. I also have a blog. Um, it's, uh, it's called a thriller writer's journal. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is keep kind of a, a record of some of the challenges that I had, uh, being a first time writer. And, uh, so I, I have a, a blog that kind of keeps track of some of the challenges that I had. And, uh, yeah, so that would be, that would be the best way to uh, keep in contact with me. Yeah. Besides the coffee shop or bar or whatever, yeah. Yes. And, of course, the the book is sold where all good books are sold, right? Well, perfect. Of course, we'll have all of that up on the website, and we'll have the uh, your website up and your book and everything like that so people can find it easily. Wonderful. One click. They don't have to walk too far, you know. Great. 
<laughs> well, that's fantastic. Appreciate it, and and hopefully we'll get you some bad reviews and people really complaining <laughs> yeah. as much as possible. People that, well, you know, come on, everybody, get on there and and do something, say something awful. Yeah. Oh no, no. Actually, actually, I'm, I'm I'm actually very uh, I'm actually very happy the, uh, the the reviews I've gotten so far from both. Um, uh, uh, critical f- forums like uh, Midwest Book Reviews and, and various other places like that, and uh, and also just from readers, uh, Amazon, etc., Goodreads, etc. They've all been very, they've been very good. They've been very generous and 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 kind. And um, that won't last. So don't worry about it. <laughs> it won't. Don't hold your breath on that one because it's you know you got to have some in there. It's yeah, gotta be someone that doesn't like someone. That's true. It's, That's true. It's the way it is. Yeah, you got to love it. Embrace it. Tell them it's real. Okay, you know, yeah. I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, so we appreciate you being on the show. Now, everyone, you got to go out and buy the book. Michael needs money. I know. So, I, actually, <laughs> he's, actually, he's I, chasing money. Chasing money, and everyone in the book is chasing money in one form or another. That's true. That's very true. Um, but uh, I actually, I didn't, I didn't do it for the money. I actually did it for the love of one. And 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 I actually wrote the book for ego. Al. I uh, I wanted to have that bucket list item filled. So I uh, I and I'm very happy that I did it. It's uh, yeah. No, it's really it's it's great. You know, chasing money. A Marty and Bo thriller. Michael Balter's our guest. He's the writer of that, and he needs money. So, you know, uh, I'm going to buy a couple of books myself, and I'll go spread it or put it in mall bathrooms. There you go. And only a couple? Everywhere. Only a couple, Al? Really? Well, it, it, in every mall bathroom, I can only do so many. And then before they arrest me, right, it's like, get out of the bathroom. Freak, right? <laughs> so they chase me around, so sit oh, on the buses. I oh, that's know. good. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Well, thank you, Al. Thank you, Dave. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Something with media. I'll be back.